Hello, everyone, and welcome to Coffee with Convery. I am your host, Brian Convery, and for those who are new to this show, Coffee with Convery is an intimate, upfront, and personal coffee chat with some of the amazing, intriguing, and most inspiring students and young talent I have met over the years. This podcast series is meant for all audiences, students, new grads, career service counselors, parents, recruiters, and lifetime learners with a passion for the future of skills and work. Today, my guest is Mina Wassam, an enthusiastic and self-driven student from the Smith School of Business at Queens University. She's studying BCom with an expected graduation date of 2023. Welcome, Mina, to the show. Mina, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell the audience a little bit more about yourself? Thanks so much, Brian, for that lovely introduction. I really appreciate that you, you know, took time to do that research. Um, so yes, I'm a second year business student at Queen's University. And honestly, I would say the most important thing to know about me is that I wake up every single day asking myself, how can I leave people and places better than I found them? And I start with this because fundamentally, every school, every workplace that I enter, oftentimes I'm one of the only people who looks like me or comes from the backgrounds that I come from. Um, and this means doing a lot of different forms of advocacy, speaking up for myself, helping others learn about how they can make their spaces more inclusive. Um, and so for me, this is this is the, at the core of what I do and who I am. It's all about creating inclusive spaces that offer more opportunities to folks like me or folks who've never been in those spaces before. Um, so that's a little bit about me. In my spare time, I love to read. I'm a huge fan of movies. I love to analyze camera angles, lighting, all of that stuff. And other than that, I have I have a lot of passion for public speaking and workshop facilitation. I find that I thrive off of being in spaces with other people. Amazing. Such a positive, such a positive outlook on life. And I can just feel the energy coming through the microphone as you're making this a better place today as well, especially for me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank <laughs> so you. So to get us going, um, I always like to ask a few kind of fun, get to know you <laughs> questions, get us warmed up, find some more insights into you as a person. So a couple like kind of quick rapid fire questions. Uh, what is your favorite uh, or most used emoji? Oh my goodness, I'm literally like looking at my phone right now and checking what's <laughs> what are my most used and the top emoji at this moment is the muscle emoji and I find that I'm always sending it to friends whenever I'm like I'm going to get this done or like you know we're going to be inspired like it's going to be a good day. <laughs> so that's me trying to manifest some positivity and inspiration through my texts. That is a great one. You know, I I've seen a couple of people use it recently and then just how you described it, I'm like, I, I need to start using that one and getting it up there. <laughs> I think it's almost <laughs> ironic because I have noodle arms and so friends find it funny that I use a muscle emoji. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. Uh, if you could eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, this is such a good question. Honestly, I think it would have to just be stir fry because you have so much variety, like it's easy, it's quick, you can customize it to what you need. So I value stir fry a lot. <laughs> That's great. I've had on the show a lot of pasta, lasagna, noodles. I was I'm gonna like, say pasta at first, but then I was I, like, it's, oh. like a, it's been a card culture, a conversation on here. So something a little <laughs> different. All right, um, favorite way to spend a day off? Reading and cleaning. 
something is really therapeutic and cleaning and in the sense of like both physical spaces but also like your digital spaces i know for me like every sunday i'm you know making sure that anything that's you know files that are messy or just all over the place like i have to clean that and and reset for the next week that's really important to me great great lesson there too uh hit the snooze button or wake up immediately Wow, <laughs> Brian, are you trying to expose me? Um, I would say it's it's been a lot of hitting the snooze button recently. So yes, hit the snooze button. <laughs> yeah, that's. I think that's okay too, right? We need our rest. Mm -hmm. It's part of our mental health. And uh, sometimes the alarms go off and we're not ready yet, right? To embrace that day. So I, I think that's all fine and, and good. Um, what's your favorite word? What a good question. Like, seriously, um, I think serendipity is probably my favorite word at the moment. Uh, means like something pleasant happening by chance. It just sounds nice. It rolls off the tongue nice, has a, you know, beautiful meaning. So very nice word. That's a great word too. And it also sounds nice. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. Serendipity. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, many students like you, they've made that, you know, high school to post-secondary school transition. Um, you know, you're still in, in, you know, still in the school stages and now entering into and been entering into the workforce for internships, co-ops, those work integrated learning experiences, you know, and with our audience that are tuning in, you know, some of them are, are, are at the beginning of these stages, the end of the stages or somewhere in between. And I'd like to, for you to just to take us on your journey Maybe talk a bit about your transition so far and what you've learned along the way. Hmm. Honestly, um, for me, coming to university, so you know, I'm studying at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. I I grew up in Kitchener, Ontario, so it's only about like three hours away. Um, the cities have a similar type of population and size, so the difference uh, for moving away from home wasn't too great. Um, but coming to university, I found in my program, you know, when I looked at the wall of alumni, there weren't a lot of people that looked like me. And I, I, through this experience, like I stress this experience because I really learned how to ask and advocate for myself and trust that, you know, my needs are not always going to be reflected in the norms, in the policies, in the practices of every space I enter. Um, and it's important that, you know, not only do I take the steps to ask, but I also engage others in helping create those inclusive spaces. So, you know, if I could go back and if I could give advice to somebody who's thinking about, you know, university or an internship or they're in those spaces right now, I would really say, you know, there's a lot of power in asking. There's a lot of power in being one of the first people to step into a room and say, this is important. Because usually if you're thinking that, you know, this need is unmet or this service needs to happen, but it's not happening, usually it means you're bringing a new perspective into that room. And it's important you speak about it because you're helping pave a pathway for others to gain access to that uh, opportunity as well. So for me, you know, it was really about... Um, um asking um and also helping others realize how they can create inclusive spaces i really like that and you know as i'm thinking about you and thinking about you answering this question the you know there's so many of us that are uh we just sometimes hang back and we're afraid to be that trailblazer right and mm -hmm. and when you actually do it it's scary yeah it is you know it is scary and then the empowerment of it when when you do get 
um, heard and things change or uh, awareness is raised, um, that's also so much self-satisfaction and reward that comes with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, good, good, good thoughts there. Um, what's one thing, talking about school, what's one thing you think should <laughs> be taught in school that really, or, or, or that isn't, let's just say that isn't? Hmm. Depends on how much time we have, but to keep it short, <laughs> I think, um, I think at the core of it, I would say equity-based leadership is really important. Um, and I don't think in schools we are taught enough, either as students, but also as educators, I don't think we're taught enough about how to be an equitable leader. Meaning, you know, like, how do you customize your leadership style to fit um, the people that you're leading? How are you making sure that your events, for example, are accessible to folks that don't fit the same body type that you do, that don't fit the same level of like mental capacity that you do. Um, so I think for me, equity-based leadership, you know, finding ways to branch out of the way that you've always done things and creating spaces more accessible for others as well is really important. Um, and I think it's especially important for um, educators because within, as I can speak to Ontario's school system, within Ontario's school system, we have, you know, some phenomenal educators and I've definitely lucked out with amazing teachers who've really pushed me and inspired me. But I know that's not the case across the board, depending on, you know, the regions that you're from, depending on the funding that your school has, you're not gonna get access to those same opportunities. And often, depending on the communities you come from, you know, not everyone's gonna see the same level of potential in you. And that's why I really think having an equity-based approach to leadership and equity-based approach to education is so important um, to help build access to opportunities and to help, you know, bridge the gap between those who don't have access to those opportunities um, um, and, you know, getting them into spaces that they deserve to be in. What a, what a really thoughtful response to that question. And, uh, you know, as I'm thinking of you're talking through that, it's, you know, it's, you know, we have our core curriculums and we have different things, but what you just articulated is something that is needs to be um, not just applied in the workplace, but in the community and in everyday life. And there's some of those things that, like you just mentioned with the equitable, uh, equitable -based, equity based leadership, sorry, um, that that no, okay. that would be a great, um, yeah, great addition. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And Maybe some of our uh, listeners from the schools can also take note on on that one and and see if that's something we could be uh, more cognizant of rolling out. Mm -hmm. um, getting a bit more personal now, if we can maybe look at and maybe share with me and our our audience, you know, what's been, let's say, your biggest challenge in life, um, and how have you, you know, either overcome that or or how are you dealing with that? Ooh, good question again. I know I've said that multiple times. This is making <laughs> me think. You're making me think. <laughs> That's right. Well, <laughs> well, I would say um, I know I've alluded a little bit to like you know being in spaces where oftentimes I'm the only person you know that looks like me or represents the backgrounds that I do. For me, the biggest challenge has been learning how to cater my communication style um, to fit. The audiences that I'm speaking to um, and having patience with those audiences. Because in a lot of change management, in a lot of, you know, people and culture work, it requires 
a lot of patience and empathy, but also it requires you to have the self-confidence to know that what needs to get done is important. Um, so, you know, you can't just back out of something just because people didn't get it the first two times around. So for me, I would say the biggest challenge has really been, you know, being in spaces where oftentimes you know, I'm the youngest person in the room, oftentimes one of the only women, women of color, you know, Muslim women in that space. And I'm I'm trying to advocate for, let's say, like a change in a school policy or a change in um, a city policy and trying to, you know, make that environment more inclusive for others who share the communities that I do. Um, it's been challenging because oftentimes people don't understand um, and they've never had to think about problems from my perspective. And so I really had to push myself out of my comfort zone to find ways to build bridges and build comparables so that others can understand where I'm coming from, why my my words are important, why my suggestions are important. Um, so for me, I would say uh, that has been the biggest challenge and the ways that I've learned to overcome it is really just two things like one, is you know practicing courage and the second is making sure i'm looking after myself so those two pieces you know courage to me first of all it's like a muscle um i really think that you have to practice being courageous and it can be little things like saying hi to someone that you've never spoken to before that takes courage you know when you're practicing little bits of courage in your day it's going to make it much easier to get in front of an audience of a thousand people or get in front of a board and tell them like hey, these are the changes that we should be making and here's how I propose we do them. And, you know, building that courage takes a lot of effort. So then the second side of that, um, that, you know, courage building is taking care of yourself and making sure that your mental health and your capacity are protected. You're not going to be able to do everything. <laughs> That's a fact. Um, and you have to be okay with prioritizing and picking your battles. You know, maybe picking your battles and choosing one thing to focus on for now means you can come back to the other three or 30 things you have on your list years later. And that's okay. You know, these systems and these spaces that you're in have been around a lot longer than you, maybe I've even been born. And I really had to come to accept that, you know, it's not all me alone against the world trying to solve these problems. There are a lot of people who are also doing this work. And there are a lot of people who are willing to um, take up responsibility and uphold accountability in these spaces as well. So those are those are the two key ways that I've helped to build some of these um, skills to overcome my challenges around catering to a lot of different types of stakeholders. Yeah, again, some amazing take takeaways and and lessons here for people to hear. Uh, you know, also when you said patience and empathy, mm -hmm. I think patience and empathy. Uh, you know, as you as you think through that, it brings understanding awareness and education too right mm -hmm. um, i think that's the part that all stuck with me because it it is those times where you you've lived this experience or you've had this experience and having the patience for others to i guess i'll use catch up um or yeah. understand yeah it's a yeah. very insightful yeah. thank you thank you thank you for that um so there, I read a quote and I've used it in the questions, um, especially given this tumultuous year we've had and all the different things we've done and dealt with and challenged. And, um, you know, yesterday's dreams aren't always today's realities. And how have you, and I, you did allude to this a bit about your priorities, but how have you looked at those priorities, how maybe they've changed over time and, and why? 
I won't say this is a good question once again, but this is a really good question. Um, so I think, I think for me, I really learned to um, value and prioritize discipline more. Um, and, you know, I alluded to change management and people and culture work before. And oftentimes, you know, when you're working with people, there are a lot of variables. Um, when you're working with spreadsheets, when you're working with, you know, like a lot of data and it's concrete, um, you can have variables, but at least you can control them. You can set expectations. Um, but with people, it's a lot harder. And so what I found is sometimes, you know, you'll have a day or a week or a month where you're going through a lot of different change management. You're going through a lot of different meetings. One meeting will be amazing. The next meeting will be heated and not so great. Um, and for me, I've really learned to value discipline because that's kind of been, you know, like, a, a, what's the term, like a steady rock in the midst of a storm, um, for sure. me at least. It's it's really helped to keep me grounded. And so, you know, some examples, and, and, and I know this is kind of like a boring answer, but some examples of discipline would be like, you know, every day at um, 10 a.m., I know that's my time to make green tea for myself. And I always make sure to do that regardless of whether the day has been amazing or whether the day has just been absolute garbage. Um, you know, those are those are really important <laughs> to me. It's it's making sure that even when I don't feel like, you know, getting up and taking a walk after sitting at my desk for three hours straight, I make sure to even just pace up and down the stairs. Like I make sure to, you know, go down to the basement and just you know, I don't know, grab like laundry or something. Um, so it's, it's, it's important to me that there are some constants that help to keep me steady while, you know, my day might really fluctuate my emotions. Yes. And, you know, the discipline, as you just described, it's like the building block and the foundation of what brings it all together. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that, that's a great answer. Um, it wasn't a boring answer. It was a great answer. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate this validation. <laughs> yeah. Um, so talking about values, uh, spend my, 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 my recent conversation with students has been really leaning towards or leaning into values. And if you talk about describing yourself in the way of values, um, how, how have your values and skills First of all, enabled you to be successful, and then what values would you say are important to you? Mm, I know I said this at the start, but um, for me, you know, my core value is to leave every person and space better than I found them. Um, and to break this down, it comes down to you know three key things that we've kind of already discussed. First is empathy, both for you know yourself and for others. The second is, you know, courage, self-confidence. You need to believe in yourself first um, in order to get others to listen to what you have to say as well. And then lastly is patience. And once again, patience can tie into empathy and it goes back to, you know, having patience for yourself to do the things that you're hoping to do, um, but also patience for others as as you're bringing them along on your journey. So um, I think for me, it's it's those key things that I really hope to embody every single day. Yeah, great, great, great answer. Uh, given that, well, first of all, thank you for for also meeting with me on a Saturday here as we're we're having this conversation. Uh, Honestly, anything for you. Like I'm, I'm, I'm. You put in a lot of work, and for any of the listeners out there right now, you know, Brian when he reached out to me, I, this week had just been absolutely swamped. Like 
I thought to myself, there's no way that I'm going to be able to fit this into my timetable. And I'm not saying this to flex. I'm saying this. I also know Brian's a very busy guy. So I was like, you know, already I was thinking, wow, I'm I'm so flattered, so honored that he thought of me. Um, but I don't know if I, I can make time for this. But I, I looked at his email. I looked at like, you know, his his premise that he sent for this podcast. And I thought to myself, wow, I want to be a part of this. So Brian, thank you. This is this is. I should be thanking you, not the other way around. You've inspired me to be here today. Oh, well, thank you again. I mean, uh, I knew, as I told you, I was having one of those moments of, wow, International Women's Day next week. I've met so many amazing young women and come across so many interesting stories that need to be heard. So you, know, you are, thank you again for joining us. And the last final question really is a is about that and thinking about International Women's Day. Um, you know, it's on Monday. I'm, I'm actually looking at uh, celebrating it myself all week with having each one of of you on on each one of the days, uh, telling your story. But what what does what does it actually mean? And and what how do you? I'm curious. Like, what does that mean to you, International Women's Day? Mm, for me, International Women's Day and in general, women's empowerment. It means providing spaces and opportunities um, for women to truly be themselves, even in positions of power. I find that oftentimes when we're looking at, you know, female empowerment, it means we're going to, you know, simply place a woman at the top of an oppressive system or a system that isn't already working. And to me, that's that's not really, you know, building female leadership. That's not really celebrating women and what they bring to the table. Um, for me, it's about, you know, how are you going to, for example, have a female CEO who's going to be able to be all the things that she already and always has been and doesn't have to compromise on her values or her demeanor? I know in a lot of times, like, for example, I'll step into a meeting and this doesn't happen as much now, but in the past, I used to get comments like, you know, Mina, you're so soft spoken. You need to be a bit more commandeering. And I thought to myself, well, of course, like you would, you know, make that comparison when I'm the only woman on this call. So it's for me, it's yeah. like, it's like, you know, how can we make sure that we are reevaluating our traditional expectations of what leadership looks like, of what engagement looks like? And, and as long as we're confronting our own biases in this space, I think we're doing a lot more for women's empowerment. And, and you know, I, I've shared a little bit of like, like my experience, but for me, it's also really important that we don't just put the onus on women to empower themselves. Like, I know there are so many workshops and events out there that, you know, say things like um, learn how to negotiate or, you know, women and learning how to ask for that raise or that promotion. Um, I see a lot of events like that. We need more training or more awareness and more events you know, shifting the focus to senior leaders to say, how do you recognize non-traditional forms of leadership? And how do you recognize the women on your teams and the people who come from communities different than yours? And how do you sponsor them for opportunities and get them to, you know, access spaces that they've never had opportunity to access before? That is really important. I think we need to be shifting and balancing the onus of women's empowerment across the board. Yeah. Uh, 100%. If you could see me, if we were sitting at a coffee shop, I would be shaking my head. I yes, have no yes, doubt. yes. <laughs> no doubt about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, this has uh, been an amazing conversation. Um, uh, that's all the time we really do have for today. I want to thank you, Mina, for 
for joining me and being a guest on my show. You know, your your passion, your drive, your just your overall presence. Um, I can feel it coming through the uh, positively through this conversation. For the listeners out there, if you liked what you heard today, please share this podcast with your network. Uh, we will continue to look and to talk with more young women and hear their journeys as we celebrate International Women's Day week. Uh, this has also been Coffee with Convery. And until next time, stay well. Thank you. It was lovely to be on this show today. <laughs> Thank you so much.